Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We are here, episode 154, with Bryce. Hey, I'm excited hey. to be here. Awesome. Yeah, it's been, it's been a bit. Hey. And yeah. this soon-to-be... New last name, Bryce. Oh, yes. I'm engaged um, to be Rodriguez. Awesome, They're going nice. to be a Rodriguez. Do you have a date picked out? No, I think, honestly, we're looking at like probably 2023. So we got good news for all of the single men <laughs> out there. I think I've said this joke on the podcast before, but I went to I a say very... destination wedding and yes. you just go by yourself somewhere. Yeah. Well, I went to a very conservative <laughs> Christian university. I, mm-hmm. When people ask where I went, I say, have you seen Footloose the movie? That's where I went. No, okay. no drinking, no smoking, <laughs> no funny. drinking, yeah. no dancing. But if there was a girl who got engaged... If there wasn't a ring and a date, we'd say they were still fair game. Ooh, that's that's, I've never heard of that. That's so tell them, hurry up. You need to pick a date. <laughs> pick a date. Yes. Not you got to get in. on that. Right. <laughs> well, let's hop into story time. And uh, Bryce, do you got anything to kick us off with? Yeah, so uh, Jordan and I recently bought a house and we've been renovating it. Slowly but surely. So we're having a roof leak going on around our chimney. And I just Ooh. thought that it was interesting. Um, we asked a roofer to come out and look at it. And he gave us a labor cost, but told us to go find our own products to replace it because he can't get his hands on any. Like he was like, I can't find it. So maybe try ordering it online and just let me know when you get it. And I was like, are you serious? This is how we're doing business now? Did and he give you the list of everything you need to find? Yep, well, that's good, G- at least. two J channels, a box of shingles, uh, James. Interesting. Harry like I got a lumber, I got a list of, I'm, I mean, all the way down to the nails. And he said, "Why don't you go and get all this? Call me, and then I'll come and do it." And I said, it's "Like a quest." Okay, I'm gonna, like no. And I just, it like made me go back to like, I know that vendors are so hard to get a hold of, but like, I still, I just can't wrap my mind around that they're having a hard time even getting the product themselves. Yeah, there's a certain kind of genius to what he's doing. Like, why not? Why waste his own time when he, you know, his time of actually doing this stuff is in high demand. If he can outsource finding the materials to, (laughs) To you know, like line line me up. Um, Have you guys noticed a big surge in in posts on different Facebook groups that you're in, whether it's your neighborhood or whatever? People are like, I saw one of our our builder partners who you know, Bryce, made a mm-hmm. comment like, hey, a friend's pool is broken. They're supposed to have a pool party. Does anyone know yeah. how to fix this? We're like mm-hmm. just skipping the experts altogether. I imagine YouTube has also seen a surge of how to fix blank mm-hmm. video views over the last couple months as well. For sure. it's, it's just I mean, so long to get anybody. To I feel like trades are not, people doing trades are so hot commodity right now to get your hand on somebody they're at least three, four weeks out. Like they're everybody, everyone that I've even tried to get out to the house. It's three to four weeks at least. Yeah. yeah. Same down here. Certain, And there's mm-hmm. certain ones like for us, it's, and it's always been this way. I don't know why we're the densest mm-hmm. county in Florida. So you think there'd mm-hmm. be trades going here on purpose, but like electricians, like there's, it's like when we put the hot tub in our backyard, it was like a eight week window. And that was mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. No, beginning of, of 2020. 21. I can't remember when it was, 
<laughs> feels like forever ago, whatever it was, but it was like six. So we booked it in 2020. That's what I was booked it in 2020. Mm-hmm. And the install was like late January, 2021 for like a very simple, very simple setup. Yeah. I feel like trades are very generational. Like right now we're being, mm-hmm. everybody's pushed to go to college, go to college. And then the trades are being yeah. put out on the back burner. And so I feel like in the next five, 10 yeah. years, they'll switch all again on us. The, um, the CEO of the pipeline that got shut down due to the hacking incident. Mm-hmm. The, he was interviewing, he was talking to, to a reporter about it. And he mentioned that the only reason they could get it turned on as fast as they did is that there were some older people in the company who hadn't yet retired, who knew how to do some of the things manually. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if this were to happen four years from now, those people would all be gone. There'd be no one who would know because, because we're not training any new people to do it. No one wants to do it. We've exactly. got technology to do it. Yeah, it is generational. And I heard some politician who we all should generally ignore all politicians, but he had a great idea of <laughs> just make trade schools free. Oh, I like that. That, yeah, that would, not, that would give people, college. yeah, you don't need to get a college mm-hmm. education in that sense. Go, go get a trade and, and just make it completely free for anyone who wants to go to a trade school. There's mm-hmm. probably a, and it'd be interesting to have Mike Rose thought on this and like Sean Van Dyke, like if there's now a oversupply of trades, now it's not paid well at all. And it's a more difficult, hard job on your body. And so it's not as attractive. Mm-hmm. Like right now there's, we need, there's crazy demand. So then mm-hmm. the rate can be significantly higher for, for these jobs that are tougher on your body. Yep. But then if 10 years from now we have this overabundance of trades, I don't know if that, if there's always been a limited supply. So that's like not even possible to, for it to happen, mm-hmm. but now it's a hard job. It's not paid well all these other things. So it's, it's definitely, I can see there being this balancing point where you want it free trade school, but if there's too many, then it's not attractive to go into trades anymore. Here in Virginia, we have a such thing called a Votech program. And so mm-hmm. you can opt for it the last two years of high school and you can go and learn a trade at the Votech program. And I think that's pretty awesome, but it wasn't pressed as much as now reflecting back. I think it should have been. Yeah. yeah. And there was, they have that, they have that down here where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be frowned upon, which is dumb. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Like that was just the stigma attached to it when I was in high mm-hmm. school, which yeah. I don't know if that holds true going back older years, if, mm-hmm. if people remember that. But I really yeah. hope that there's some older experienced individual who's a roofer who just heard you talk about how hard it goes <laughs> on your body. Be like in my day, we didn't tie off ourselves on the like we just got up there and stood <laughs> on one leg and swung a hammer. And now, you know. Guys would fall um, off the roof every two weeks and we just get up and shake it off and go back up on the roof. Oh man. So, I mean, it is yeah. obviously it's, it's manual labor. There's no getting around that, but I feel like yeah. even uh, OSHA requirements and, and technology and just the tools themselves have improved to the point that, I mean, my house right now is being the siding is going up the fibrous cement board, mm-hmm. vertical and horizontal siding. And they went through all the material that was delivered and got, more than half of the house done in like a day and a half. That's awesome. That, That's I mean, awesome. They, they can just fly. Whereas that material historically would have taken longer on a, on the size home. So Andrew, what do you got? Krista from Tuscus homes. She did this little video. It was maybe 12 seconds long. And I'm like, I want I, I need like a clapping right now. I was oh, just so excited hey, to see it. I need yes. to see it. I haven't seen it, it yet. Is, you'll watch it. You'll be like, Oh, like I'm, I'm talking about it. Like it's like this ridiculously amazing 
thought out thing that took weeks, but I'm like, this is like literally a minute and a half on her phone, mm-hmm. but it, it showcases, I'm pretty sure it's in their new design studio that they're building every backsplash that they have. She's on a gimbal on her phone. Boom, boom, boom. She walks by and it shows it all. I'm like, this is what people want. In my mind, this is what people want. And it's so simple for her to do. It took her no time at all. We were, we messaged back and forth on some things. She wants to get better at it, all this stuff. But I'm like, this is so simple. She's not overthinking it. There's not these excessive transitions. There's not just like, it's just focusing on the backsplashes and the video and it's done clean and it's well. Oh, it's awesome. Like, yeah, this is, yeah, just get out there and do your, do your content. So I'm calling that micro video content. I don't know what else, if there's a better name for it, but where you don't have to like, okay, what's the story that we're telling? And, and this more complex thing, it's just like, I want to showcase our backsplashes or our the front door color options or whatever it is going to be. Uh-huh. And it could just be 10, 15 seconds long. And then you're just done with the thing. And then it's what people are looking, in my opinion, what people are looking for compared to things that could be more complex to build. Or like if you're trying to do TikTok style looking videos, you're now researching the trends and like what music to use. And you're spent an hour doing nothing. Well, I think, I think when Both I have their, their, their purposes, but when I see a video like that, what I think is that, the marketer has, I'm going to say finally, but I'm not sure that's accurate. F- finally mm-hmm. accepted the fact that every piece of content doesn't have to solve a problem or a portion of the customer journey to use a buzzword. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, like you said, the, the story is the feel felt found, customer thought it was complicated, found out it was easy, loves the builder. That It doesn't always have to be something that's solving a problem. Content can simply be an on-ramp. And when we say yeah. on-ramp to the website or to becoming a lead or beginning the journey, again, people are thinking, well, then that's just attention grabbing and interesting and you know, highly brand focused. It doesn't, this is not a brand focused piece of content, but someone could be just going through their feed, see this 12 second video of a bunch of different tile options say, that's cool. And Mm -hmm. redoing the tile in my own kitchen would be not fun or interesting. But now I just want to, I want to learn more about this company that's putting this piece of content out there. It's just simply an on-ramp. I think some of the key takeaways from it is like, A, there's no sound and B, it's like short and sweet. Sometimes I feel like when there is sound associated with the video, it's less to be seen. Yeah. So that's just my personal opinion. But watching it, it's just, it's simple, clean, (laughs) three-dimensional. Yeah, Easy. we yeah. Ha- we had a couple of people reach out about music, and I know Andrew, we we're not we don't have to link them here or put them in the show notes, but there's there are services out there to get good quality background music beds because mm-hmm. there's also nothing worse than like it's it's almost a game that I play now when I hear uh, an ad for a nonprofit or mm-hmm. just like a live streaming ad in audio or video form, and like huh. That's the same audio track I used in the background of my kids coloring Easter eggs two years ago. Yeah. And this company that wants, you know, you to donate a bunch of money or is, is using the same track. Like, why are we doing this? Or if they download like the sample track from um, one of the services. Like yeah. Audio Jungle. Like, yeah. Every two seconds, like, it plays it in the background. I know. And you're like, it's like $15 a month, I think, to for subscription. Right, like, just go ahead and buy it and you'll... But, your point is well it. taken, Bryce, that in those, there, there are definitely instances where no sound is better than bad sound. Yep. Yeah. Especially in this, why I, I think what I like about this is it's, it 
fits what buyers are looking for or people like all around along there. Mm-hmm. And the production time on this is minimal. And so mm-hmm. if you were to go like, all right, what music do I put to it? And now you're just adding to the step versus just like, cool, Krista could go in to the design studio, record maybe 15, 20 videos if they're like this and be done in an hour as far as recording. Then now she has content she could share for you know the next month, two months. And then if she could also have that organized internal database for mm-hmm. any sales to like, hey, I want pictures of the backslash. Oh, here we go. Here's a video. If it's accessible and, and all that types of thing, that's more complex to get into like having this content database for everyone to mm-hmm. access internally. But yeah, so way to go. I was excited when I saw that. And that video can quickly be turned into a blog just to still cap- still image caption of it yeah. and then transformed it right into a blog too. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, sneaky. Yep. Well, I took a break last week, so I, I could have a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to just roll off of what you were talking about for my story time. We, I spent three days with a builder in North Carolina and South Carolina, and we visited a job site and the marketer said, okay, Kevin, like when we go to this job site, which had three homes that were the same floor plan, but different elevations, they're actually being built as investment properties for a single buyer. And she said, like, how do you approach this? Like what content should we grab here? And it was an interesting exercise that I've never, I've never been put on the spot in that way. So it was a fun little experiment to say, what can we find here? And mm-hmm. obviously the first thing is, well, you've got yeah. three homes that are the same floor plan with different elevations. A quick comparison, look how, look how small adjustments can make a home look or feel different because this builder, highly personalization and customization focused builder. And so that alone, and they were all in three different stages. So one was um, house wrap had just gone on, one had just been drywalled, and one looked like it was closer to completion. So that now there was a laborer doing work on one of the three. So you couldn't just grab a shot of all three, but you could you could plan that as something to come back and do. But it was just fun just to walk through the properties and and say, huh, what what can we get? Now, relatively straightforward, not because they're investment properties. But there were some things even from a construction standpoint, construction education standpoint, that I just said, look, if, if I were you, there in one case, there was a, a bluish purple drywall in a room and all the other drywall was white. I said, hey, mm-hmm. do, you, do you guys know why this drywall is this color? And neither of the two people on the marketing team knew the answer. It was because it was, you know, water, res- moisture resistant drywall. And it had, yeah, but it was not green, right? So it's like, <laughs> oh, that's just a different product. But I said- if you're by yourself and you've got a camera, you just snap a picture of the things you don't understand and you use it as a way to educate yourself at the same time as you're creating a little piece of biker content that you may or mm-hmm. may not use. And I think that's the other part of it is everyone's often too hesitant to just snap the picture. Just take the picture and it may only end up getting used internally or externally. One of the things that if you if you talk to a professional photographer, most of the time, I'm not talking about folks who are going to be in like the Guggenheim as, but most of the time photographers who make a living as a photographer take way more pictures than you would ever guess. And it's not the, what some people think is, well, that's because they don't know what setting the camera. No, that's not it. That they're shot well, but they're still taking a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, you know, call the footage to use a video term. And you're just going through and saying, what do I keep? What do I get rid of? I took senior photos for my niece and we took over 
1800 pictures over the course of an oh, hour gosh. and a half. Now she had like seven outfit changes. There was like 20 different. I mean, it, it was, it was a, basically a half of a great day uncle. Of You're a great uncle. <laughs> <What are> you <laughs> You're paid and dinner. But that's okay. Like there's no, there, there is a file size limit on the card, but it wasn't 2000 pictures. I could have taken 5,000 pictures mm -hmm. and yes, there are hard drive limits, but you can end up deleting. So when in doubt, if you're going to go in the field and you have a camera with you, take pictures of things you don't understand that you would ha have to be educated on yourself, but that also may, might mean it's something you can educate your customer with. Yep. It might be a picture of a kitchen that you think looks really cool, but it's not quite good enough to go on the main website, but it can still be used for an internal use of, hey, salesperson looking for an example of a kitchen with this color cabinet. We got it. Just take mm -hmm. the picture and then go back and edit. Now, the, the only danger there is there's there's a whole bunch of people I know, unfortunately, who also do the exact opposite, which is, oh, I've got 30 gigabytes worth of footage and, and photos on the computer, and we just don't ever use any uh -huh. of it for anything. It just sits there. It's like... Probably not organized, I would think. Yeah, I'm just, so I'm just you thinking, organize it. Like, mm -hmm. that's the hard part. Yeah, you take all your photos, and then if they're not organized in any way, you can't ever reference them right. um, ever. Yeah. Perfect so you can't, summer you can't, intern. Right, uh, unless you get an intern. But you don't want to let them sit too long without it. But just take the picture and think about internal, external. Think about education, inspiration, customer stories. But again, I, I just thought it was cool to touch on that because a lot of it ends, it could end up, easily being micro content of, of one sort or another. And then in this case, they have an outside partner who does professional shots and drone and everything else. And I was like, well, then you can schedule to get them back. Hopefully when a, tr when a trade partner is not covering up half of you know, one of the homes with all of their machinery and equipment. <laughs> and that could be a, then a longer blog post about That's true. how you personalize homes and all the, all that you can do. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, let's move on to the news. The news. And first up, the Marketproof Marketing Awards. You only have folks, two weeks to go. July 9th. July 9th. That's when they close. Right, right yeah. after 4th of July. We were and nice and did not do it July 3rd because that <laughs> would be... That'd be yeah. cruel and unusual july 4th is your final built-in reminder when the fireworks go off i want i'm gonna like uh, inception style in your brain you're gonna be like holy crap i gotta get those awards turned in look we know this is how it works all awards programs everywhere the the the, the award submissions flood in it's all online so you can you know you can get this done in 10 minutes or less yes, a couple simple yeah, easy sure. steps uh in your pajamas at 11 59 p.m on July 9th. Um, but don't, there's no reason to, to stress it that way. Go ahead and get those in. We've updated some additional frequently asked questions on the page. Andrew's made a new video. Yep, we'll have uh, to. Bios mm -hmm. of all the judges, tons of great stuff there. So make sure you check that out at marketproofawards.com. But first up uh, from article land is from inman.com. Zillow claims assessment is now more accurate thanks to a tech update. They estimate the machine learning powered update will reduce the median error rate to only 6.9% and increase homeowners' estimate live offers. That's where they're willing to purchase the home by 30%. Increase estimate live offers by 30%. So one is about accuracy. 
And the other is about saying, we're going to, we're going to offer you more money for your home. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. That's exciting. I'm still, I'm still waiting to see this is like you say, estimate. then every realtor is like, Ugh. but they start complaining. But what I was just thinking about when I was rereading this article was like, any realtor, realist, any person, any person, if you're like, what will that home sell for? Pick an exact number. It's going to be off. So they're going okay. to, they're with, with, what's the median rate? I need to get the definitions better. Median error rate. And I have a place you could download and export all their data based on those estimates. Pretty cool. What does that exactly mean? Median error rate down to 7%. I don't know what it was before. I don't know if they referenced the median median error rate before, if that was at 8, 9, 10, 11%. But yeah, this is, I think it's super cool. Just getting this more accurate. And then the live offers is going to be nice. I'm still waiting for it to be available for my home. And I'll definitely be a little <laughs> guinea pig. And then give everyone the update on there. I was expecting it because I'm, I'm in one of their markets that they yeah. the offers in, but not yet. Yeah, I think there's a couple points here. One is Zillow was lambasted by realtors originally for always mm-hmm. being too high. And now realtors are able to use the fact that pricing homes generally are selling for over asking price to say that mm-hmm. Zillow offers are low. Uh, so that, was, that has been interesting to watch kind of the flip there. Mm-hmm. And the other is that Zillow is really kind of trying to move past that whole conversation by simply saying, look, our goal is for this to be the starting point of a customer's journey. When, when I mm-hmm. think about wanting to sell my home, their goal, again, go back, what was the purpose of this estimate to begin with? Was to get people to go on Zillow to explore the value of, of a home and then move on from there and, and, and create a transaction that they could get a, get a piece of or create value for someone else. At the end of the day, Jeremy Waxman, Zillow's chief operating officer, said basically, that's it. Nobody wants to think about selling. Most sellers are thinking about buying. They mm-hmm. want to be thinking about buying, but at some point they have to think about, oh my gosh, I have to go through this process. And they want this estimate and, and the standings estimate to purchase a home to be the starting point for that. That's how they think they're going to win. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a different perspective than what an agent's trying to often use the CMA approach to say, this is why you should work with me because I understand the value. And again, any offer to simply purchase the home at an amount, um, while it's not a, a CMA in the traditional sense, it is by definition, like markets, a buyer and a seller. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm price curious discovery. to see if the Zillow's iBuyer starts the like the revenue side starts overtaking its advertising side of the business, like in the future yeah. year. I mean, the, from from a revenue standpoint, it will pretty quickly because that's you know homes are are not they're a lot more expensive than ads. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but from a profitability stand, standpoint, that's the big question, and and they yeah. haven't proven that. Yeah. And Open Door has done some funny math with um with everything. So they they were buying homes and didn't sell them in 2020, mm-hmm. and then sold more homes in 2021 at higher values. So it was smart all around, but it, it kind of lined up as, oh, interesting. The quarter after you go public, uh, you have an amazing uh, quarterly result, which makes your stock go then even higher. But it, it was kind of a, a shell game a little bit. And, and as it'll be interesting to see how mm-hmm. the market conditions, because everyone's saying now we're buying homes again and we're buying them faster than we have mm-hmm. been before, but h- how? 
And yeah. why even bother reselling them to another customer versus a hedge fund or someone else, which we'll talk more about here in a yep. little bit. Yeah. Too. I just think they're opposite of Redfin. Every time I see Redfin, it's a sign in the yard where they're trying to sell the home for the consumer versus mm-hmm. where Zillow is trying to buy it for them. So, yeah. No, someone, someone, purchase. someone just sent me a text message yesterday actually saying, what the heck is this? And it's a, it's a Redfin van. <laughs> The, oh my okay. goodness. What the devil is this? And on the side of it, it says Redfin Concierge, sell for more with a home that shines. And it's got a ladder on the roof. And huh. um, are they cleaning service? Like a Redfin's cleaning service? Redfin yeah. So there, there were two thoughts service. that I had. One was either this is a warranty tech van that okay. is cleaning mm. up a home that Here we go. Redfin it owns. You. I found it. I found it. <laughs> or, okay, before you send it and, and we know the answer, I said, or. <laughs> okay. That's just a way for them to charge more money because Redfin's, okay. you know, hey, we're going to sell your home for 1.5% listing fee. Maybe instead this is a way to say, well, it's 1.5%, but if you want us to like get your home ready to shine to get the most money, then we'll we'll fix some things and get it ready. But then we have to charge you something more than the 1.5%. All right. What is it actually? You're right on that one. It just doesn't cost anything. So no upfront costs, no hidden fees, no interest. We'll cover the staging and cleaning. You only pay for the improvements you select once your home sells. So flawless transformations. You get a beautiful. Well, but this is two percent listing fee. Yeah. Here. Well, there you go. Versus one point five. Interesting. 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 Maybe I'm making that up on the one point five, but I don't think so. Uh, and actually, this one is actually it's actually two and a half percent. But if you buy through them, then you get the half percent back. They stage it for you and all. Yeah. So, I mean, Redfin's trying okay. to push that that listing fee down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of included, but it, it seems like, yeah, interesting. Anyway, Redfin's a huh. super smart company, Bryce. And I, I think that um, yeah. at the end of the day, it seems like Zillow, Opendoor, it's not that they're not focused on the consumer. Mm-hmm. I think they're somewhat redefining in the current market who the consumer is meaning Ooh. hedge fund or yeah. whoever has billions of dollars to buy homes from us or even hold some themselves and just wait for them to gain in value or turn them into rentals themselves. Who, who knows? Yeah. Redfin seems more to me zeroed in on the actual families buying and selling homes yep. in, around the country gotcha. and improving that process. All right. Next up from marketwatch.com, an inflation storm is coming for the U.S. housing market. Some economists suggest the government may be misunderstanding the size of the problem. And this this uh, article gets an award for the most ominous-looking <laughs> terrible image. It's, it's it reminds me of for uh, the marketing awards. I know, it reminds me <laughs> of <laughs> awards, right? stranger things, like the upside down. Like everything is just awful. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, good good design there. So basically, here's the deal. Uh, and this... Q conspiracy sounding music, but no, no one understands how to really track inflation. If you go down the rabbit mm-hmm. hole, which I've done over the last two months and really understand what and how inflation is calculated, it's, it's what's called a basket of goods, meaning, and sometimes they get to change. So there, there are some things, uh, this is economics class, uh, starting. I love now. it. It's important. <laughs> the price of coffee as an example. The price of coffee mm-hmm. going up would be inflation or inflationary for sure. But that doesn't mean necessarily that coffee prices are going to go to the extreme limit of potential inflation because a certain number of people who drink coffee 
also might drink something else like tea. Mm-hmm. And so then you have a trade-off where the consumer then says, you know what? I love coffee, but I don't love it enough for $6 a cup. And since even 7-Eleven is now $6 a cup, I'm going to switch to something else that can get me some caffeine, is warm, and I can drink in, in the morning or whenever I choose. So that's a really dumb example, but it, it just explains that because there's not just one of something that you can buy in most cases, if there can be a trade-off, even that makes it more complicated. So then what the that they do in these indexes is they're like, well, we're no longer going to include oil because oil has been too up and down and it's transitory inflation and we just shouldn't count that anyway. So they just move it out and move something else in. It's just a bunch of, no, no one knows what real inflation looks like. It can't measure it accurately. Mm-hmm. It's like who's lying? The points are made up. Exactly. I had it. Down at the, I think right there in the article, it states that 2.2 figures seems off based on your own experience of the buying or selling homes section. And um, while I was reading this article, I just kept on going back to that because even just in my market, I just don't see how that 2.2 was the only percentage. That just seems so low to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And just even for all of our builders across the country, like it just seems so low. So I just am curious where that number actually came from. Well, that, that's all housing, not not just new construction. Yeah. But true. still, it's too low. And yep. again, I think even in the article, I would, I didn't read it close enough, but somewhere in here it says, housing units themselves are not including in the CPI market basket. Mm-hmm. So, how does, like, mm-hmm. again... So what is? Yeah, how how do they even calculate it? What is? <laughs> and then it's rental versus homes, and then one's mm-hmm. an asset, and then they're refreshing the rental data like every six months. So then we get back into like you know the Zillow's estimate improvement was for recency, trying to get it to be more recent data. But then you have to combine mm-hmm. historical data because not everyone is paying 2020, 2021 rates mm-hmm. for rental. So then yeah, it's definitely complex to yeah. figure it. I think the main concern that it talks about further down is that housing inflation is different and than other sources of inflation because it, by definition, is not going to be as transitory. How often do you buy coffee? How often do you fill your car with gas? How often do you buy eggs? How often Mm -hmm. do you buy and sell your home? And if you bought it at a certain value, how quickly are you going to be willing to sell it at a loss? So. Overall, again, it's only happened twice in the in the history of our company in, in mm-hmm. our of our country. <laughs> has housing as a whole across the entire country declined by any amount? Yeah. As a whole. And that's because generally speaking, you're just not gonna sell. If you're gonna lose half of the money you put into the home, or your home is currently perceived as being worth half of what's you what your mortgage is on it, mm-hmm. you're just not gonna sell if you don't have to. And that that kind of buffers what what could be defined as transitory inflation. The other thing that's really interesting is an article from First American Mortgage that points out that housing inflation is not what you think it is at all because overall, house price appreciation is up 13.2% existing and new year over year. But when you adjust for where interest rates have, have gone to in the affordability it's actually, from an affordability standpoint, it's only up 2.1%. Interesting. My brain's exploding. In well, what's, what's really interesting about this, and this is going to go into our question of the week, which I guess we can skip to now, and that is it's all about packaging perception and how it's, it's being portrayed. Mm-hmm. Because as lumber prices fall, we'll, we'll go, we'll skip to another, we'll kind of stay in two, two main topics this week, I guess, on the yeah. news. 
Bryce, you found this one from Markets Insider. Lumber prices sink below $1,000 for the first time since March, now down 40% since May's record high. And then uh, Jackie Lipinski put in our little Slack channel here a comment from someone on one of our builders' Facebook pages that says, hey, any plans to reduce prices now that lumber has crashed 40%? Interesting choice of words, right? Lumber has crashed. And this is this is all kind of, to me, it goes together because one of the mm-hmm. dangers is, and Becca pointed this out quickly in, in our in our Slack channel, this is the danger of only using lumber as your point of reference. Hey, why have home prices gone up $100,000 in the last year? Well, haven't you seen the lumber chart? Haven't yeah. you seen mm-hmm. this much yep. lumber stacked up against this much lumber? We oversimplified it. and And that makes it easier to from a customer standpoint, come back and be like, well, you told me this was the thing that caused everything. Now there's more to it than that. Commodities and, and how things, if you look at gas prices, when when commodity price of, of gasoline goes up, the, what you pay at the pump will change overnight. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. it was 50 cents cheaper yesterday. You see it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. whenever it goes up on the futures market, it tends to go up in the entire supply chain from beginning to end. So lumber mm-hmm. from from trees in the in the forest to trees being cut down to trees being milled and cut apart to being planed and prepared to shipped to sitting in a lumber yard to builder's mm-hmm. job site that entire job chain goes up based upon the futures and it yep. will even when the futures go down it, it takes time for it to go through that entire process yeah yeah it, I mean I would at least project six months before you even see it at Home Depot costs down. They all, they bought all the lumber at the high price. They're going to sell it for what they can. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, but you're going to get kind of punched in the face by the customer over the next couple of weeks or months saying, Hey, mm-hmm. no, no, you told me it was commodity prices that were causing all of this. And I think we have to start having a more nuanced conversation. So I, I, this is yep. this week's question of the week is will builders lower their prices when commodity prices decline? That we'll post that in the Facebook yep. group. But I already posted it on Twitter as a poll. And 63% said no. 18.2% said no, because we're going to shift the comparison. It won't be an apple to apple. So we mm-hmm. might lower some prices that we're showing, but it's going to be for a smaller home with less in mm-hmm. it. So it's not going to be comparable. Gotcha. 13% said uh, land costs, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, land is going up and land sets the table for the next three to five years. You know, yep. that's how long it's going to take to get developed and work through the pipeline. And so even if lumber prices come down, when you paid 25% more than for the next home site, then you do, and, and the home site is the single largest input cost uh, in terms of a single commodity in air quotes. Uh, so, so what do you think? Will builders lower the prices when commodity prices come down? Has your builder or anyone in your, in your builder started talking about that? I did have a conversation just the other day with a division manager for the first time uh, who was like, huh, yeah, how, wh- when we start lowering our base prices, I wonder how we should do that well. <laughs> and I, I was, was like, about to say, coming up with an action plan of how you're going to do so and what you're going to tell the consumer on the other yeah. end. But the first um, is I just don't know that you're, I mean, labor costs already, we've started so hearing that that is becoming a bigger problem than materials in many cases. Correct just having labor to show up and, and at affordable rates and then land. So I'm, I'm not even sure that it's going to be possible, but yes, we do have to start planning yeah. planning for that. And and hopefully this lets builders kind of recover some lost margin you know, mm-hmm. over the next few months or when they start to rebuy and things that were undersold, however you want to say it, underpriced. 
and then yeah. cost went up. So that is kind of like a nice little blessing for a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I also posted on LinkedIn kind of a, a quick thought, which is basically we have to get to work on a better way to have a more nuanced conversation about how pricing is evolving than just pointing out and saying, look at lumber, look at lumber, look at lumber. Have you seen this picture of yeah. all this lumber? We, because mm-hmm. it is more nuanced. There's more pieces that go into it. I mean, already those who really did their research could have quickly come back to the builder and be like, yeah, but lumber is not 40% of the cost of a home. So tell me why my price has gone up by 30%. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting if a builder were to have some type of educational content on how they price homes. That that gets, I'm sure it's like, oh, how do we, because we, we have to make like money. Like broken down with the steps of broken, like what Not it like takes. the internal, like here's how we price. Here's yeah. Just like, here's what goes into the cost of a home and it's nice and cutesy. Or up in a like boat. we have the lands, the, we have the, labor. The bigger part have, of that, the bigger problem, Andrew, is if you've been allowing offers and bids, which is a legitimate strategy. Mm-hmm. Yep. When it went up to where it went up to based upon a bid or an offer, mm-hmm that like how you traditionally would do the math to figure out what you're going to charge, which should always be market-based, but there is also a formula that you kind of back into and then compare to market-based pricing. That formula does not get anywhere close to where <laughs> prices in some cases are. Have seen. So it will be interesting yeah. to watch people. And I be. really think I, I've said this thing over and over as I've been talking to people, understanding how to do real competitive analysis is something you can't let your company forget how to do. Because doing that rapidly during the downturn is what saved Heartland and allowed us to pivot faster than the competition. Because we were able to do competitive analysis against other builders, but also mm-hmm. using the existing housing stock and what was what was being mm-hmm. listed and sold by agents of homes that were five years old, et cetera. That, that's absolutely critical to be able to do competitive market analysis by someone who's not incentivized to artificially push the needle higher or lower. That's the other tricky yeah. part. You know, having a salesperson Depends. on the front line do a CMA for you when their community is struggling to sell, don't be shocked if their CMA says that they are too expensive. That's yeah. an example. <laughs> I, say, I think their homes will be the expensive ones. Yeah. That's all we need. Yep. All right. So moving on to kind of the next phase of news stories uh, is an article from the Wall Street Journal that... I think most of you have probably read, honestly, by the time you're hearing this, it's definitely mm-hmm. made the rounds. Um, and the title of it is, if you sell a house these days, the buyer might be a pension fund. Yield chasing investors are snapping up single family homes, competing with ordinary Americans and driving up prices. Now, first, just setting the table, there are, and we know for a fact that there have been very, very select instances where foreign buyers uh, for example, Apple just announced they're going to have a second headquarters in Raleigh. Apparently, there were people who already knew this because over the last two months prior to that happening, there was a builder who had the same five to eight foreign buyers bidding on every single home in the Raleigh market that they were uh, had under construction and were releasing for sale. Hmm. And there's people who say, well, that's just xenophobic talk. How do you even know they were foreign? Is it just because their last name was, you know, it mm-hmm. appeared to be foreign? No, they, they actually interacted with these people. They knew they, they knew they were foreign. They yeah. were using foreign, foreign funds in some cases or representing funds. So that happens, but that's not the majority of what is happening. The majority of what seems to be happening 
is that institutions and investment groups that are local, BlackRock's, Goldman Sachs of the world, the, these types of organizations that you may or may not be familiar with, are buying up homes at at rates and at prices. Normally, when prices go up this high, as an as an investor pool, you say, uh, no. Like mm-hmm. if um, if Airbnb stock went to two thousand dollars, the market forces say, I don't know if it's going to go higher, so I'm not going to invest in it. Mm-hmm. In this case, one of the thing, one of the challenges is that these buyers are saying the price doesn't really matter. I've got $40 billion that I need to do something with. I can't buy bonds because I'm not sure where rates are going to go and when the Fed is going to act or not act. I don't necessarily want to buy tech stocks because those have run up a lot over the last two years because of the pandemic. Where do I put all this money? And the answer keeps coming back to real estate. Real estate. Because because like, because the rate they're paying is so low that if rates ever go up over the course of the next 30 years, they win because mm-hmm. people won't be able to afford those homes and they will have to mm-hmm. rent. And this is why as much as I love the single family for rent, you know, single family rental build to rent space, it does start to create an existential threat of any builder who really could uh, financially do so has to be asking themselves right now, if you're a business person with any understanding of finance, you have to be saying, why would I bother just selling this house one time and only making money on it once? Why not? I think I read somewhere that Taylor Morrison had as a stated goal that they gave to the market. And if I'm wrong, sorry, just let me know in social media. I'm sure you will. (laughs) Uh, like Taylor Morrison's goal was to have 40 or 50% of of their revenue um, go to that space. And when you're talking about giant organizations like top 10 home building companies saying, we're not going to build homes for consumers anymore. We're going to build homes as investment vehicles for Mm -hmm. our own company. That's why this starts to take on a whole nother level of, you know, there's already the haves and the have nots. And one of the ways that the have nots over time develop and I think we only have one person on our team who currently doesn't own a home. Um, they're working on it. They, they got a plan. But that's one of the best ways to create wealth is to purchase a home. Mm-hmm. That's where um, my thinking goes to the long-term unintended consequences of this could be, like, I'm just thinking about, like, during the pandemic, all the stuff, like, people have more equity in their homes. Like, the economic activity from the value of their asset of their home. Value the of a dollar, percent, too. Like, Right. But this over time reduce that activity where now like that that's like this huge unintended consequence of like, oh, mm-hmm. people can no longer do these extra things that we just have not taken for granted, but like they just happen, like putting a pool in or buying a boat, kind of extra mm-hmm. things that you don't really think about, but like they're thirty, forty, fifty, eighty, whatever thousand dollars that people use their home to kind of finance through credit. Yeah. That won't be there. So then- on the back side of all of this, my like my mind's thinking like, okay, so if a whole entire community turns into a rental potential, how is that going to look for a consumer wanting to purchase in there? Is the rental going to be as maintained? Is it what's it going to look like for those living around it? I know when I used to work for another builder, we had um, a limit on how many investors could purchase within each community. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious on how that would look on that side of things. 
or if it would be just developed per community as I think that's that's the there. bigger danger. Certainly there's people mm-hmm. who, who don't want to live next to someone who's renting as their primary residence. And, and yep. I understand some of that, but I think the bigger systemic risk is, you know, in this article, it says DR Horton built 124 houses in Conroe, Texas, rented them out and then put the whole community Amber Pines on the block for sale. Um, the winning $32 million bid came from an online property investment platform fundrise, which fundrise is a, is a basically a um, micro share. That's not the right term. You, you, if you're an accredited investor or potentially even not an accredited investor, which means you have more than a million dollars of, of investment potential, you can just buy, like I'll pay $2,000 to own a small share of this piece of piece of real estate. And mm-hmm. if it makes money, I make money, et cetera. So it's an alternate investment opportunity. So, so this isn't even, a company like a hedge fund or a pension fund. Yeah, they're just fund. facilitating it. They're yeah. facilitating it to, to an individual investors uh, mm-hmm. and splitting it up into small pieces. But, but what, again, what you can't blame the builder. We certainly wouldn't expect every single family community we sell to sell at a 50% gross margin. 50. Says Bill Wheat, the chief finance officer. Go. So if you could sell an entire community at a 50% gross margin, by turning it into rentals first. Now they did have to do the work of getting them rented out to get maximum value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if, when they did that 50% gross margin. Yeah. And they probably that's worth that extra work, I think made it mm-hmm. easy logistically as far as like, okay, here's our three backsplashes we're using or none or one. Mm-hmm. Like they made it easy to build. Yeah. yeah that so is attractive. If, that, if like, that, that's the not? only way we're ever going to get affordable housing is to turn them into rentals. That's not exciting anymore. And I, I really yeah. know you, shift if if my approach or thoughts about the single family build to rent space is legit because well i don't know because i mean even still in this area that i'm in rentals that used to go for 1300 are now going for 1800 in the past year's growth so i mean i still don't even know how how affordable is affordable is going to be the question yeah that's a big question yeah and the other part, there's an article from the Atlantic called when, um, when wall street is your landlord. And part of what it also shows is that when you have individual homes that are, so when, when we talked about the topic a couple of weeks ago on the podcast with Noel, um, a whole community of rentals is generally going to be approached by a good management company who's going to approach it similarly to an apartment rental scenario where the maintenance is, is handled, et cetera. But if you just, the home that the Oakleys live, the street, the, the home and the street we live on now in a neighborhood, if we sold our home to wall street, mm-hmm. that's incredibly mm-hmm. hard to manage. And so what ends up happening in this article is they're like, no, no, no you have to replace the filter. No, no, you have to still re- mow the lawn. Like you're renting it from us, but you don't get any of those benefits that a renter would typically get because we're not facilitating any of that. So, hey, guess what? Our rental agreement says you have to take care of that. Uh, Hanson said she was instructed by a supervisor not to answer the phone when certain tenants called. Her response would be, we're not fixing that. Just don't call the tenant back. Ugh, yeah. Hanson said of the supervisor, she was fired when she reported the company to OSHA because she worried that the homes were in such poor shape that the conditions for the maintenance staff she supervised were dangerous. So I get like... Companies that aren't used to holding 40,000 homes at a time 
they don't have the resources. It was kind of like um, the builder that I started with. They built, they would build hundreds and hundreds of inventory homes, but they typically would sell. And so as they started sitting for longer periods of time when the when the market was turning in 07, they we didn't have a good process to go back through and make sure that home wasn't devolving, was the word we used. Like if the house just yeah. sat there, then a warranty tech who needed a doorknob for a customer that it was irate would find an unsold home, <laughs> go in and take out a doorknob. The doorknob. Oh right? my goodness. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, it's been sitting it. there for seven months. No one cares. And, and just making sure that the, the yards don't go to weeds. There's a whole lot of logistical challenges. That's why Open Door and Zillow are hiring so many people as part of this iBuyer process. Because if they just let those homes sit and didn't do what they need to do to make them sale ready, it'd be bad news. So, what a complex issue. Well, it touches on like everything. It's not just like, oh, should we do this or not do it? Or, is this a good idea or not? It's the impact is, is pretty widespread. And that's why I think most people are saying, get this, don't, don't hold your breath is that government's going to have to step in here and say, these funds can't do that. Was like, will they tap in like whatever they want to label funds or third party owner owners, non-local owners? I don't know what there would be, but like, is there, is that a max per area? Will that be at the County level or city level? Well, they said Mm -hmm. like, Hey, local residents or I don't know, primary residents, not, not local. They live anywhere, but yeah, my hunch is like a certain percentage of homes at a certain price point have to remain owner occupied residences. Yes. To allow government. Yeah. Which again, also kind of scares the crap out of me. I know. And that almost goes like to, I just want to know like where in, there's nothing in fair housing about any of this. So I don't know. I would be well, curious if it's right. And again, you can't, I mean, I trust me, like we don't mm-hmm. sell ads on the podcast, for example, people still, Hey, will you, yeah. we'll pay you to have this guest on? We'll pay you to mention this product. We don't do that. But if anyone wants to offer a million dollars per episode to sponsor <laughs> the podcast, I like everyone has their, their <laughs> line. Good. That's mine. You want to sponsor the podcast a million dollars an episode. You can run an ad. There might be one a day moving forward, but yeah, right. We might. <laughs> yeah, we'll also yeah. exactly right. Maybe three a day. Uh, but twenty four seven. You can't blame the companies for saying this is a much better use of capital. That correct. Yeah, and that's why it seems like government's going to have to be the ones to step in. But every highly regulated industry, the prices tend to just get higher. Governments involved yeah. in education. Colleges are freaking expensive. Government's involved in healthcare. Healthcare is freaking expensive. Government is involved in housing. Housing, freaking expensive. So yeah. I'm not- well, they, well, they talk about that. Then there is, is I forget which article it was that we talked about, but it's like the, oh, the inflation one, like the fix for this, we need more housing. And then it talks about zoning and just like the red tape involved and around building. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's a huge cost because I just think like density of housing, like we need, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like we need to be able to build denser housing in certain areas yep. da, 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 but we can't because of, of whatever. Well, again, the first builder that I worked with, we would, we got a, a project in an area of town that we hadn't built in before. And as soon as that government entity knew that we were the builder connected to that development plan, they quickly started changing the guidelines for requirements of, you had to have a certain number of, of windows on all sides of the home. You had to have these certain oh materials. You couldn't do X, you couldn't do Y. Mm-hmm. And they were all specifically designed to attack 
pieces of what our builder did as a standard practice. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So like every floor plan you previously had is not an option. So they're, mm-hmm. well, they're mm-hmm. making the cost, they're making it cost more. Now you have to spend X amount to have more plans, different plans. Exactly. It's yeah, it's craziness. Yeah. Or that one community that I want to buy in that's been 10 years empty that the, you know, it's like, come on, we could have had 300 houses over there, but they're just being difficult. I want to know how much builders are going to start stripping their homes down to the bears to be able to keep the profit. And well, I think you know, right now I've, we've had some of those conversations. It's, it's been fun mm-hmm. on the, on the road too, where you know, right now it's hard to find a builder who will let you buy a home from them where granite's not included in the kitchen because the builder mm-hmm. has said, well, shoot, where our pricing is, compared to resale or compared to what it used to be, we have to add more things to it because the customers are demanding it. But you just watch if the market ever gets like another 2008, 2009 scenario, Formica is coming back. Maybe everyone's going to have Formica standard or as a, as an option to lower your price point if you want it. Um, Concrete countertops. I don't know if those are (laughs) less expensive or not. I have no idea. I've been looking at building a concrete table. I'll tell you and I'll let you know. There you (laughs) go. Let me know. Be strong. All right. Moving on to the question of the week or the answers to last week's question of the week. Should builders have community pages or groups on Nextdoor and Facebook and be the admins? And the vast majority, like 90, let's just call it 92% of you said no. 8% of you said maybe or sometimes, and only one of you. But one yes. Jessica. <laughs> and I want, I'm, I will look yes. her up and see what type of communities she's involved in, which I think that's the bias is like, what are you primarily building? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I the yes sometimes, is, and I, yeah. I wasn't around for the conversation when you guys put this up there, but I said sometimes mm-hmm. only because I don't think once the community, it's like an HOA to me, when the HOA is turned over to the homeowners, mm-hmm. you know, the builder is involved in the HOA to begin with. I think there's something beneficial of saying, and one of our builder partners has done this where they started one and then now mm-hmm. they passed it over to the, to the homeowners mm-hmm. to, to maintain it, it's, you're providing a physical community for everyone. There can be benefit to having a digital community that you're also passing on to those homeowners at the same time. Is there I risk? Think the key- yes, but. Well, and the key is to keep it in your control until you're completely out of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like completely out, like through the warranty period for the last time you closed. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and probably be like super strict on like, like if people are like, they're trying to do warranty claims essentially through there or like things that mm-hmm. that's not the channel to communicate, like just being pleasant, like, Wait. Hey, Bryce, this isn't the place for that. Like, yeah. like yeah. here's the best well, way why to do would it. You, why would you not want a place, for example, like our communities, someone just decided, hey, whoever wants to, if you've got a kid with a bike, we're going to have a bike parade on the 4th of July in the neighborhood. Get here at 8 o'clock. Okay. Like, that is an absolute. Facebook worthy. It's a selling tool. Yeah. Like if you could, yeah. if you were, if you were able on a giant touchscreen or something in your office to pull that up and be like, yeah, and this is a really active community. As you can see, here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's awesome. You know? that's I awesome. think there's, there's a lot of wins if they, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of this was like, oh gosh, I wouldn't touch that. But yeah, the sometimes for me was like, Bryce, yeah, your previously builder, like big master plan community where there will be on site, like the yeah. activities director or whatever, like you just, I feel like you need that just to make sure 
this is the official one and then the handoff to the company that then manages the community. Yep. Um, but yeah, I could imagine like the community I'm in, if our builder was in there, it would have been, there's just so many things. But then on the opposite side from the consumer standpoint, like the builder should have taken care of those things mm-hmm. that were issued. Like, I don't know. Like, that became the issue. Yeah. Like our yeah. sign, like six months into most people moving in, like the sign looked pretty terrible. Warranty. Yeah. It was like, who's responsible for this? And it just kind of hit dead ends and it still needs to be fixed. But that was six months when the, the builder was still in charge of everything. Yeah. That's yeah. It could go, it go both ways. All right. Sure. This week's new question of the week is will builders lower their prices when commodity prices decline overall, or has your builder started discussing or talking about how, what, what you'll do when prices do decline. And then we also have to pick a winner, which I will do um, later today for the office upgrade. And I have a hunch just based upon, I'll, I'll go through here to see everyone that was, that, that posted pictures. Um, I think there's a lot of chairs that need to be purchased. Now, there's I understand chairs. that was my biggest concern. Looking through, there's 37 different comments and people posting pictures. And generally speaking, it was definitely form over function. Like you're going to sit in this chair for six, eight, even just two hours a day. Yeah. And it looks it looks like something that you bought from Hobby Lobby for less than 25 bucks. <laughs> and I don't mean that from a decorating person, just like from a comfort level. That's that's a what's the what's the name of the chair that has no arms on it? A um oh goodness, you're putting me on the spot now. Like a wing, um, not a wing bat, but a wing back chair. It's it's a chair with no arms. Yeah, there's a term <laughs> for that. Google. You can tell it's been like um, nine years since I worked with the model home decorator. Oh my, but, it's got a name. Um, sure, why not? Well, it's the chair that you sit off in the corner that you pull up to the table. But it serves like multiple purposes. Holy crap. Someone tell me what that is. I'm, yeah, none of this has such. They're calling I, it what you're saying. It I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do is a wing back, a wing back accent chair. Is that yeah, it? There, maybe there that, yes, yeah. there you go. Okay. So I, was, I, was, I not, haven't lost it all yet. No, you got it. Uh, I think I'm going to pick a couple winners and offer to get you a much better chair because that's my biggest concern from, from what people were posting about their home office scenario. If you didn't know, we were running a contest. And we're going to upgrade some some folks' home office scenarios. Um, and then the the last thing, parting comment, um, we're all kind of officially old at Do You Convert now. So we we had a Market Proof Academy class with um, sixteen different marketers, maybe seventeen, looking at the list here now. And we started out by saying, "How many years have you been in in, in home building?" And the average amount of time that these marketing directors, marketing managers, senior mm-hmm. digital marketing manager, marketing specialist, marketing communications director, media specialist, marketing coordinator, these are the titles, VP of sales and marketing, three and a half years. I was like, oh my gosh, we'd have to take four of you, right? I'm at, to like have the amount of time since the Great Recession happened 13 years ago. Yeah. And um, just the need of continued education, and it, it was it was great um, time, great great talking through and, and teaching. But if you have not been in this business for since for, since thirteen years ago, you need to find someone who is. That's your that's your homework assignment for the next two weeks. Is go connect and become friends with someone who went through the downturn in a marketing role. Because there's there's not going to be a way to completely prepare yourself for it, but those folks will help you out. 
And, always uh, have a mentor. Andrew, Bryce, you've got one. It's, it's me. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're <laughs> one. So just kidding. We are. We're you said three and a half years, and I was Mike, like, I graduated in 17. <laughs> Mike, Jen, myself. I don't know how the final other team has been. Oh, no. Julie um, Jarnigan. She's been in a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's been Sarah? For 15 years. Has she been in? Who? Who is Sarah? Been? Oh, Sarah? Oh, I don't in. think so. She's like right on the cusp. Right of on it. the cusp. Okay. Yeah, from Dorn Homes. But you, you need to find a buddy because. You, that's the only way you're going to be able to, uh, to fully be prepared or, or to get through. Cause it's, it's one of the things closing comment here. I promise Jackie to edit the podcast now is I've had a lot a conversation, a lot of, I don't know that it's going to get harder than it is right now for most of the people listening, because if you're in the change improvement game, well, good fricking luck. I mean, I talked to someone who's, recently been promoted as a sales trainer for their organization. And can you imagine like, Hey, I really need you to use the CRM right now as a sales rep, or we're going to change your sales presentation when you're, you're, you're not allowed to sell anything or, uh, you know, you're, you're exceeding your sales goals still, or it just, it, it will get harder when the market shifts, but I think overall it will get easier because right now there's so many things that you cannot control. If you list out sure. everything about the business and the things that, that are outside of your control as a builder, as a builder, as a department, or as an individual, there's way more things that are outside of your control that are in your control. Whereas in a down market, it's in your control. It might be extreme, like we're going to pay way more than this home site is worth it, but that home site exists to be purchased yep. to decide to then market or build on it. There will be more things that we can directly control when the market changes. And the so pressure in that will sense, be up, but you're like, it's well, yeah, and it's really on you, right? Like it's like, yeah, you stress, have to stress perform. and pressure will be up. And yet most of you listening, I think will agree with me that everyone's kind of stressed out now <laughs> too, for different reasons. There, yeah. there will be the stress of, oh my, I haven't sold as much as I need to this month. But everything mm -hmm. else about it and the ability for you to, to control the different aspects of the scenario more directly, I think will make it easier. In some ways, this is a much better way to lead into a market correction than the previous one, which was everything's amazing. Everything is awesome. Cue the music yeah. from Lego. And then wham, we're, we're down in the, in Here the we depths. Go. In this case, there's a lot more mental toughness and process creation that's going on right now because of the type of stress that we're in. Mm -hmm. So to end on an up note, I just, I think it's going to be easier, not harder from this point forward in most cases and in most instances. So for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, <laughs> check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you next week. See you. Bye. Bye.